Well, we're born again, good ones. I'd love you to worship at Paul Helvey. I'll just wait for Carl to start chatting. Lovely to see you all. Before I stood up my hind legs, I should have thought to myself, are there any bulletins today? I don't have any written down, but is there anything, anything bulletin-wise we need to do? Anything I've missed? You can tell me at half time uh, if there are. Um, the, but the only thing that we do need to know today, which is very important, is that it's Andy's birthday. Today! Andy is 10, so I think we should be saying happy birthday to Andy. Any other birthdays today? Or around this kind of time? Are you too shy to mention? You are right, so happy birthday to Andy. So let's sing happy birthday to Andy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Andy. Happy birthday to you. And in case you don't know who Andy is, Andy, can you stand up? This is You're looking suitably sparkly for your birthday today, lovely. And Dad's been embarrassing her all morning, apparently. What are dads for? Lovely. I hope you have a lovely day. So we're going to begin uh, with a song that's unaccompanied. It's one you've done before in church, and if you're behaving and you're singing well today, we might even try and do this in two parts, okay? So this is the kind of thing that you would hear an African choir giving up loudly. So we need to be that African choir this morning, all right? Don't be, don't be shy, don't be keeping your voice into yourself. We need to give up loudly, or it's not going to work, okay? So it's come all ye people. So I'm going to take this off because it's too loud. Um, if I'm singing. So we'll teach, we'll teach you the tune, and once you get the tune, we'll maybe try and teach this side a wee harmony to make it sound really good, okay? But you've got to give it loudly. So, here's the tune. Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. Come now and worship the Lord. Okay, now that sounded like a solo. I'm sure you were trying to join in there, but it did sound like a solo. But yeah, you'll get it. It's very easy. You'll get the gist of it. Pardon me? Break it down. Is that too high? No, I don't Alan thinks it's fine. I'm going with Alan. Come all ye people. Come and praise your maker. Come all ye people. Come and praise your maker. Come all ye people. Come and praise your maker. Come now and worship the Lord. Now that's better, but I would like you to pretend that you're happy, okay? This is a happy song because we're coming here today to praise God. So let's pretend you're happy. Um, and it needs to be quite staccato when we're singing it as well. So we're, don't, don't drag over the words. It's got to be really punchy. So. Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. Come now and worship the Lord. Good, right. So what we're going to do, we'll kind of we'll try and keep that going, but I want this half of the room, approximately half, we're going to try and teach you a harmony. So it's a wee bit, just a wee bit higher, it goes, Come all ye people, come and praise your maker. 
of a creator, all that is seen and all that is hidden comes from you. This vast universe gives us just the tiniest glimpse into the mystery of who you are. And we thank you that you've given us this life to enjoy and to explore the wonder of your creation. Jesus, thank you that you came to show us how much you love us and that you long for us to love you in return. Like an anxious parent who's lost a child, you search for us and you will not stop until we are found safe and home with you. You never give up on us. You never stop loving us. You never leave us and for that we thank you. We're sorry that we sometimes choose to lose ourselves in the world, ignoring you and choosing to act willfully. We know that we can be selfish, stubborn and thoughtless at times. Forgive us and remind us that your love and your patience are never ending and that you are always waiting for us to return to you and find our way home. Help us learn from our past mistakes to accept your forgiveness and to keep moving forward, following in the way of Jesus day by day. And in his name we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, just a few Sundays ago, we were remembering the birth of Jesus, and today we're remembering the only story that we have of Jesus when he was a young person, just the age of 12. And Jenny's going to read this story to us now as we find it in Luke's Gospel. Every year, Jesus' parents travelled to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up as they always did for the feast. When it was over and they left for home, the child Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Thinking he was somewhere in the company of pilgrims, they journeyed for a whole day and then began looking for him among relatives and neighbours. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. The next day, they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers, but his parents were not impressed. They were upset and hurt. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. He said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here, dealing with the things of my father? But they had no idea what he was talking about. So he went back to Nazareth with them and lived obediently with them. His mother held these things dearly, deep within herself. And Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit. Blessed by both God and people. Amen. Thanks, Jenny. 
But just a wee bit of background um, to that story, there were several great festivals in the, the year for uh, the Jewish people back in those days, and whole communities would decamp from where they lived in the small villages to come up to Jerusalem. It was like a huge celebration. Imagine all of us taking a week out of our year to walk down to wherever, Dundee or wherever, for a, for a festival and camp out in the way. Imagine the sense of community and belonging that they would have had together as they did those things. And Passover was the biggest ceremony of all. And back in Jesus' day, um, boys were able to take a full part in the festival at the age of 13 when they reached manhood. But families often brought them along to the festival the previous year, a year before, so that they would be less overawed by the whole experience. So this might have well have been Jesus' first time at the Passover. Uh, we don't know that, but uh, it's, it's likely. And you can imagine the impression that all the noise and the worship would have made on him as a young boy. Uh, Jerusalem's population back in those days was about 120,000, but anything up to a million people would have come back to the city for the great festivals, which would have been completely mind-blowing for a kid from a provincial town like Nazareth. And apparently, having arrived there, Jesus seems to have been in no hurry to leave. And we might wonder how Mary and Joseph could have missed him. How could you miss your own child uh, when you're making your way back home? But in those days, the women and the older folk and the young children would leave first when the festival was over because they travelled more slowly and the men would have come on later uh, to catch them up. Maybe that was just an excuse to give the men a bit of time to themselves, I'm not sure. But the chances are that Joseph thought that Jesus had gone on ahead with Mary and Mary thought that Jesus was hanging back with Joseph and it was only when they met later on on the first day of travel that they realised that he wasn't with either of them. And let's not kid ourselves as we think about this story that it was a safer world back then. Maybe fine if you're with, with your own people. But a 12-year-old left alone in a city with a million strangers for three days. It's small wonder that they were frantic. So what I want you to do now at your table groups, I'm trying to get you into that headset of, of thinking about being lost. Asking a question of you just in your in your table groups. Have you ever been lost? Or do you remember a time when you lost something important? Have a wee chat about that in your groups. Most especially, how did you feel in the midst of it all? So I'll just give you a few minutes to talk about that together in your groups. Have you been lost? Or have you lost something really important? How did you feel? Off you go. <laughs> Okay, folks, if I could just break in there, sorry to stop your conversation. Thinking, I mean, I'm not asking you to rehearse the stories you've just been sharing, but thinking about how you felt, who'd like to volunteer, a wee bit about how you felt in the midst of these things. Andy, birthday girl, you were sad. Can you just briefly say what it was? Were you lost or had you lost something? You lost your toy bag. And you were sad. You would be, of course, you would be sad for something like that. Anything else? I've actually just discovered something that I didn't know before. What was that? Apparently, I suffer from mesophobia. Mesophobia? Was it, was it you looked it up? I'm scared. 
of being lost. You're scared of being lost? Ah. I thought it was when I was a child. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Rhoda will take you by the hand and she'll shoot you into the car afterwards. So, but don't leave this room. That's all I'm saying, Melinda. Okay, that, right, that's okay. So you put a name to it. Just scared, scared of being lost. Uh -huh. Yeah, but when I was a child. When you were a child. Uh -huh. You're, you're past that now. Okay, that's good. But we, we nearly got lost in Fez in Morocco. This is me and some other folk I was travelling with. We had a tour guide. We didn't like the fact that we weren't buying everything, that this, all the stores that he stopped us, and he threatened at one point to disappear off and leave us in this rabbit warren of a medieval city with no map in hand. And this was the days before the internet and Google and all of that, but he didn't. <laughs> I was scared of getting lost at that point. Carol, did you have your hand up? Did you want to say something? No. No? Okay. <laughs> it was David. I lost Carl in the, in the, at the rugby. You lost Carl at the rugby? Yeah. Big game, international. Very happy about it. He was happy about it. Not happy. <laughs> you were not happy. Yeah. David, what about you? You've lost in the. At the mart. Right. <laughs> you were in the mart and you went round and round. Are you sure you weren't actually in the pen? <laughs> Somebody slapped a number in their back. No, they're tagging your ear. Very good. I think one of the things about losing anything, either being lost yourself or losing something important, is the fear element. We nearly lost Isla, but we did lose Isla in Camperdown Park in Dundee for about 10 minutes when she was only three or four. That was a very uncomfortable uh, 10 minutes, I have to say, till we, till we found her again. So fear is something that kind of comes into to lostness. But I'm interested in this story. Do you think Jesus was afraid? Do you think Jesus was even lost? If you said to Jesus in this story, are you lost? He says, no, I, my guess is he was saying, I'm exactly where I want to be. I know where I am. Which begs the question, is this story about Jesus getting lost? Or is it actually that Jesus beginning to find himself? But we can leave that till later. One last question, and then we'll have a wee break. If you could ask one question of the 12-year-old Jesus, what would it be? In the light of the story that we've just heard, if you could ask one question of the 12-year-old Jesus, what would it be? I'll give you just a couple of minutes to talk in your groups about that, and then we'll feed back. Okay, folks, if we could just again have a wee bit of feedback on that, if you could ask one question of 12-year-old Jesus, what would you ask him? Andy, big voice. Why did you go to the temple without telling your parents? Why did you go to the temple without telling your parents? Yes, I think there's probably quite a few folk would have wanted to ask that. That's certainly what Mary and Joseph asked. Yeah, Emily, do you have one for the question? What would you ask Jesus? Where are your parents? Yeah. Maybe he thought about that, maybe he didn't. Maybe he was so excited about what was happening, he maybe forgot for a wee while that the parents weren't looking. Any other questions? Come on, there was lots of chat there. There has to be more questions than that. He was lost in the moment. He was lost in the moment, Jerry. Yes, uh -huh. he was. Questions. What would you want to ask the 12 year old Jesus? He said he was going away with his father. And that was a big thing for a 12-year-old to come away with when he hadn't really mm -hmm. 
I mean, his father was Joseph, kind of thing. Well, that's right. So there's this thing about what does it mean to be in your father's house or to be about the work that your father's doing? Which is a big thing for a young fella of that age to be thinking about. Twelve years old. What drew Jesus to the temple? Thanks, Marjorie, yes. Yes. Thank you. That's the question I hoped would come out. Because that's what the second half's about. Which is, why did you want to stay behind Jesus? Why did you want to stay behind in the temple? What was it about that that made you want to stay? And that made you happy to stay there for three days? I wonder, I wonder what he ate. I wonder how he, where he slept. I wonder what food he, what food he managed to talk people into getting. <laughs> presumably he wouldn't have been much. Um, interesting questions, but the main one is, why did you want to stay? And we'll get into that a wee bit in the second half. But we're going to have a break now uh, and enjoy a cup of tea uh, and coffee. So, boys and girls, I know you've been working away at your activity packs, and we'll get a wee chance to see some of your work later on. There's some amazing colouring, some word searches to do. There's a Where's Wally? Given that uh, we're losing Jesus this morning in the, in the temple, there's a Where's Wally and a Where's Wally colouring in. So we'll look forward to seeing how you get on with those later. I'm just going to talk a wee bit to the grown-ups now. I'm thinking particularly about this business of asking questions. There's a story about a wee boy who'd reached that stage in life where all he really wanted to do was ask questions. Dad, why is the sky blue? Oh, I don't know, son, you'll, you'll, you'll need to Google that one. Dad, how does the TV work? I don't know, son, try asking Alexa, she'll tell you. Dad, how are babies made? I think you better ask your mum that one, son. <laughs> Dad, do you mind me asking all these questions? Of course not, son. How will you ever learn anything if you don't ask questions? <laughs> Kids know something that we forget as adults. The fact that questions help us grow. Why did Jesus want to stay behind in the temple for those three days. Well, in a way he tells us because he says, I had to be about my father's business. In some translations it says I had to be in my father's house. But actually the Greek is about more along the lines of, I needed to be about my father's business. And I think that for him in that moment, that meant being in the company of people who were asking questions of their faith and genuinely looking for answers. He wanted to be in that kind of community where the things of God were real and vital and about living. That's where he wanted to be. And he loved it. Kids aren't afraid to ask questions. And I don't think we should be as people of faith. Now I know there are branches of religion and even our own religion where asking any questions is frowned upon, sometimes more than frowned upon. Ask the wrong kind of questions in some religious groups and you'll be excommunicated or you'll be disfellowshipped and you're going to end up with a fatwa on your head. But those are fearful responses to what is a very human trait when we're faced with something that's beyond our grasp. To ask questions of it. To try and understand better. And I go so far as to say that to live in the world that we live in and not have questions of God shows either a singular lack of imagination or a singular indifference towards him 
and his creation. How can you look around the world that we live in and not have questions if you're a person of faith? Is God really good? Can he be trusted? What is it that he wants from us anyway? These are all valid things to be asking. And if you doubt that, I always say, try reading the Psalms, this collection of 150, essentially prayers, uh, that have been the prayer book of the church for nearly two millennia. And about a third to a half of the Psalms are either Psalms of lament and questioning, or they have sections where there's lament and questioning. Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? and forget our misery and oppression. These are in the Psalms, and the Psalms are there to teach us how to pray. So through this, God's telling us, you can bring this stuff to me. And even Jesus himself questioned as he hung bleeding and dying on the cross. Do you remember his words? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That comes from Psalm 22. And if you read on in the Psalm, it could lead you to the realisation, as it has done for me, that actually in that moment God was not forsaking Jesus because it says so in Psalm 22. But it sure felt like it in that moment. Living in the skin of Adam's humanity, he felt it. But here's the thing. As long as we are asking questions of God, even painful, difficult ones, we are still in relationship with him. The dialogue is still ongoing and there's something to work with there. And we may get answers from it, we may not. But the most important thing is that we stay in relationship with him because he is the one who has the answers. He's the one who is the answer and who travels with us as we learn to live with our questions. God can handle our questioning. It's when people give up and lose interest and quietly quit that the problems begin. A man once wrote to C.S. Lewis, worried that his teenage son had turned his back on the faith of the family and decided to become an atheist. And Lewis wrote back and told him not to worry too much. Not only had that been Lewis's own journey in faith, but in starting to ask questions, the boy, paradoxically, was beginning to engage with God in a far more personal and serious way than he ever had before. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The real threat to the church today isn't atheism outside it, it's apathy within it. The apathy that's so indifferent it doesn't even think to look to God for answers to life's questions. And what we're seeing in Jesus this morning is the polar opposite of that. Why did he stay for three days? Not because he was bowled over by the atmosphere of the temple, although I'm sure that was part of it. I think it's because he was tasting for the first time what it was like to be part of a community who were genuinely seeking understanding so they could live out their faith well. So they could live well and wisely in the world. We learn best when we're with other people who are sharing the journey creating a safe space where questions are always in order and there's enough trust for folk to open up and to genuinely ask what's on their hearts and minds without fear because they know they're in a place of support and acceptance. 
even the desert fathers and mothers, the first and second century monastics, who would take themselves off into the desert to live as hermits, even they knew that they had to gather together regularly for learning and worship and fellowship, even as they chose a very solitary life. We weren't created to make this journey alone, and yet much in our modern world convinces us that it's all about autonomy, it's all about the individual. But we can't ask the questions that we, that we carry with us in our hearts in a vacuum. We need one another. And to my mind, that's why small groups remain such a force for good within the life of the church, whether that's house groups, new members groups, alpha, discipleship groups, the principle is the same. Get together with folk who are keen to learn and to share the journey and you will learn a lot more than you would on your own. And as your minister, my heart's desire is for people to come to me with the questions that surface in them as they go about living their lives. Sitting with people in that space is one of the great privileges of my work life. And I don't just mean coming to me with theological questions. That's great if you want to do that. But come to me with life questions that our faith can begin to address. That's what I committed to, commit to this job to do in large part. So don't be shy. Please don't think you're wasting my time. <coughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. I want you to pick up the phone and start a conversation because I think it will do us both good. We won't find the answers to the conundrum of our lives in an inspirational Facebook post or a horoscope or a fortune cookie. We find the answers best when we're part of a community that loves us and challenges us, that knows us and celebrates us, that hears our questions and that listens to them respectfully. That's what the church is called to be. And that's what you and I are called to make it. A place where we can bring our questions to God and to one another without fear because we know completely that we belong and that we are loved. Amen. Now, Anne is going to come now and uh, lead us in our prayers for others. Let us open our hearts and minds in prayer. Father God, as your children we are grateful for your love and we appreciate the sacred places where we can find you, worship you and feel at home. Our hearts go out to our brothers and sisters who are less fortunate, who need to meet in secret places and who are in danger just because they want to worship you. May they find you anywhere they can and know that you are with them always. We thank you for sending Jesus, who showed us the way to you. We long for the world to be drawn to you through Jesus and that they will find your love. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who travels with us always and guides us home when we get lost. Our world needs to follow your spirit and return to you so that the world will become a place where people are glad to call home. Thank you for the Bible 
for the stories that help us to know you more and understand who we are and whom we serve. Make our eyes and ears ready for your word in whatever format that might take. Thank you for sharing our humanity, for teaching us what love is and is eternal. That our home is with you and that no matter how often we get lost, you patiently wait for us to return. Our hearts are with all who are lost to you, all who are seeking to return, and all who have yet to discover you. Thank you for our families of all shapes and sizes, for people who build community and work hard at building relationships with others. Our hearts break for your children who are abandoned or abused, for all who have not been part of a loving family and who long to be welcomed home. May they come to know your love and find a place to call home with a new family who love them just as they are. May we continue to find our home in you, follow in Jesus' footsteps, sharing your love for everyone, building your kingdom here and now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. Let's worship God as we close. 
Thank you. 